Well, if you know the Lord is great, why don't you give him a great big hand of praise this morning? If you know he's worthy, why don't you give him a great big hallelujah? If you know the Lord is excellent, why don't you just give him the glory that's due his name? If there's anybody grateful in this house, why don't you just thank God for the goodness, for his mercy, for his kindness, for his excellence, for waking you up this morning. Wait a minute, you, 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 you missed your praise right there. If he didn't do anything else, he woke you up this morning. If he didn't do anything else, he woke you up this morning. We bless his name. We glorify him. He is great. And he is awesome. What a mighty God we serve. While you're standing, if you will join me in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 4. I want to read a few verses beginning with verse number 38, Mark chapter 4. Great is the Lord, Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse number 38. And there you will find these words. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. They awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to talk from the subject this morning, how to have peace in life's problems. How to have peace in life's problems. We continue this morning in our series, The How-Tos of Faith, with a text that offers good news. Good news for those of us who find ourselves in one of life's storms. Someone surmised years ago an adage that has become a very familiar saying about storms. It goes like this, you're either headed for a storm, in a storm, or coming out of a storm. While there is much truth to that statement, Powell, I think that as believers, we should be careful not to so easily summarize life simply by its storms. We should be careful not to define our experiences or mark our existence simply by life's storms. For to do so is to bring about a great disservice to our witness and cause great damage to our perspective about life itself. When you concentrate too much on storms, 
it's difficult to see and be grateful for the days of grace, the weeks of goodness, the months of mercy, the years of plenty. When you concentrate too much on life's storms, you begin to see too easily the gathering clouds and fail to thank God for the blue skies. When, when, when you concentrate too much on life storms, you neglect to give thanks for the calm, tranquil, and serene days of gentle breezes blowing across clear skies. What, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that life is made up of more than your storms. And if you spend all of your time looking for the next storm, you will miss the joyful journey in between. You're looking for the next storm. And you're missing your blessing right now. You, you, you're preparing for the next storm. And, and you're missing the moment to praise God for the season you're in right now. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. There's value in remembering life storms and how you survived and how the Lord provided and how you came out. But when you look at your life as a person of faith, you should choose to look at it through the lens of gladness rather than through the lens of gloom. See life through the lens of the Lord's mercies rather than the lens of life's misfortunes. You ought to try to count up the days of sunshine and celebration rather than focusing so much on your days of sorrow. Because if you're honest about it, for most of us in here, your good days, you might as well go on and finish it for me. For most of us in here, for most of us in here, the days you've been up outnumber the days you've been down. For most of us in here, your days of plenty outweigh the days you didn't have enough. For most of us in here, the days you've been healthy outweigh the number of days you've been sick. For most of us in here, the days you've been on your feet outnumber the days you've been laying on your back because life is more than your storms. Life is more than storms. And we should not define life simply by its stones. But we must be clear that in life, you are going to encounter some storms. In life, you will face some dark clouds, some thunderous episodes that shake and startle you. Yes, you will face some contrary winds and be made to endure some boisterous rains that beat you down and wear upon your faith. Some of us woke up this morning and heard that rain. It looked like it wouldn't stop. And you started debating with yourself in bed. You might as well say amen. What you were going to do this morning. <coughs> do I have a witness in here? Yes, yeah, storms come 
It's in those times when there is turmoil and tragedy, when there is heartbreak and heartache, when the unthinkable is realized and that you must fear that which, when, when that which you have feared most has come upon you. It's in those times that you as a believer need to know how to have peace in the midst of your problems. Because peace is what allows you to be settled in unsettling situations. Peace allows you to be confident in disconcerting circumstances. Peace allows you to be poised in life's problems. Peace lets you deal with life's dilemmas with a steadfast determination. Peace gives you assurance in the midst of life's anxieties. And this text this morning helps us to understand that as believers, we can have and should have peace in the midst of our problems. Peace. When your mountain won't move. Peace. When your cup won't pass. Peace. When the storm won't stop. Peace. When the sickness isn't healed. Peace. When the relationship isn't restored. Peace. When the change won't come. Peace. When the news isn't good. Peace. When the pantry is empty. Peace. When the bank account is low. Peace. When the deal isn't closed, when the grant isn't awarded, when the proposal wasn't accepted, when the contract isn't renewed, peace. When the prospect does not come through, peace. Because being a believer, hear me and hear me well, being a believer does not mean that you get everything you want to get. Do I have a witness in here? Being a person of faith does not mean that everything goes your way. In fact, the Bible declares that followers of Christ are guaranteed some trouble. You love the Lord and your love for the Lord in no way isolates you from having to deal with life's dilemmas. Your worship of God in no way protects you from having to deal with the problems of this world. Your obedience to the word does not prevent you from having to go through and live with the issues of life. Disappointment is an issue of life. Failure is an issue of life. Sickness is an issue of life. Death is an issue of life. And your discipleship is not a ticket to get out of life's issues. You don't have to believe me. But you ought to believe Jesus. Because Jesus said, in this world, wish I had some Bible readers in here. In this world, you will have tribulation. He is not talking to unbelievers when he makes that statement, but he is talking to his own disciples. And as he is talking to his disciples, he is talking then to us. Get ready for it. Buckle up. Prepare yourselves because in this world, you're going to deal with some storms. They're going to come. Whether you like it or not, they will develop. The question for the believer then is not how to prevent or circumvent life's problems, but how to be faithful in how we handle them. How to keep our faith while in the fire, how to be content in the chaos, how to be settled and secure when your world is reeling and rocking. Because I believe that ultimately a believer's faith 
is not perfected by the issues that you are somehow able to avoid. The situations you're able to circumvent or the dilemmas that you're able to dodge or the challenges that you're able to change. But faith that is perfected is a faith that is tried. Faith that has endured affliction, faith that has experienced hardship, faith that has been stretched, pulled, and tested, faith that has gone through, gone, through, gone, through, gone, through something. Faith that is perfected is faith that has been tried. Perfected faith is a faith that has been forged in the crucible of hardship. Perfected faith is a faith that has been melted and molded by the furnace of affliction. It is a faith that has been shaped on the anvil of adversity. It is a faith that has been polished by the sanding of circumstances and situations rubbing up against it until the brilliance finally shines through, which is to say that faith does not come easily. But it emerges in our lives as we live through some stuff. Tell your neighbor, you got to go through something. You got to go through something. Quit trying to pray every mountain away. Some of them you got to climb. Quit trying to pray every valley away. Some of them you got to go through. You, you got to go through some fires. You got to go through some floods. You got to go through some problems. You got to live through some sickness. You got to come through some hardships. You got to come through some disappointments. Some things you've got to come through. And until you're willing to go through it, your faith won't grow. Tell your neighbor again, you got to go through. You got to go through. You got you to gotta go through. <laughs> you got to go through. That's why you need to be careful about praying for a greater faith also. Because when you pray, Lord, give me a bigger faith. Get ready for a bigger test. Lord, I want a great faith. All right, can you stand a great challenge? Can you stand a great test? Can you stand some hardship? You can't get a great faith walking in green pastures. You got to go in some brown grass to know that the God of the brown grass can change it in the green pastures. Got to go without some things to know that in all things, my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory. You, you got to be hurt and know that God is a healer to know that when you're going through some things that, that in time the Lord will come and see. Is there anybody in this house? Perfected. Faith, greater faith comes through greater storms. In the text, Jesus has been teaching by parables. He has told the parable of the sower and the soils. And he's giving them that interpretation. He's going on to talk about the kingdom of God, comparing it to a mustard seed that is the smallest among seeds, but when it grows, it becomes the largest among all herbs says even the branches are so great that the birds rest under its shade. Then in verse number 33, text says, And with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. As long as they were able to hear it, Jesus kept teaching. But as the day drew to a close, Jesus says to his disciples, Let us cross over. To the other side. They've come to the close 
of their ministry day. Jesus is moving to the next assignment, which is on the other side. I don't know how you feel about it, preachers, but I'm always encouraged and challenged by this passage. When I read that Jesus invites his disciples to go with him to the other side. Oftentimes, if truth be told, we want to stay on our side. You might as well say amen. We want to minister on our side. We want to stick with our own people. Stay within our own tribes. Stay on our own side of town. But Jesus says, let us go over to the other side. The other side where the gospel needs to be heard. The, the other side where people need to be healed. The, the other side where lives need to be changed. Let's go to the other side. The other side of town. The other side of the tracks. The other side of the street. Let's go to the other side. The other side where people are hurting and need to hear the good news. Oh, where's the church that's willing to go to the other side? What happened to the church that was willing to leave its own comforts and conveniences and venture to the other side? Where did we lose sight of mission and ministry to go to the other side? It is not of Christ to keep the good news to ourselves. It is not of Christ to isolate ourselves from the rest of the world that needs to see, feel, and know the love of Christ. It is not enough for Christians to meet at their local churches if we are unwilling to go to the other side. They get in their boat. They start sailing to the other side. Jesus, the text says, is in the back part of the ship and he has quickly fallen asleep. When out of the blue, a storm comes. They started out. Sky was fair. But as they went, the storm came. As they watched this, followed the word of Jesus. They ran into a storm. I don't believe you praying with me. They, they were doing what the Lord said. And still... Y'all ain't talking to me here. Ran into a storm. They were obedient to Christ's command. And still ran into a storm. Who am I talking to in here? Listen, I need to tell somebody. Being obedient to the Lord does not mean you won't experience some opposition along the way. Following his word does not mean you will not have some turbulence and tri trials and turmoil along the way. Here they were doing the very will of God and still a storm came. Well, if you're going to have peace in the midst of life's problems, a few things I want to leave with you to remember this morning. Number one, if you're going to be at peace, if you're not going to freak out, if you're going to stay anchored and secure when your storm comes. First thing you have to know is that believers don't go through storms alone. I say believers don't go through storms alone. You may feel like you're by yourself, but always remember 
that you're never going through anything as a believer alone. No, no, as a believer, you never face a storm by yourself. As a believer, you never deal with any dilemma by yourself. As a person of faith, you never face a challenge by yourself. You never have to deal with a diagnosis on your own. You never have to walk through the struggle by yourself because the Lord is with you. That's what the disciples seem to have forgotten. Even though they went to wake him up. They, they went to wake him up. But somehow they forgot who he was. Somebody said, go wake up Jesus. Looked like it would have clicked right there. Oh, wait a minute. Jesus is with us. But, but even that did not keep them from being afraid. They had forgotten. They had forgotten who was riding with them. I need you to understand this morning, my brothers and sisters, that wherever you are and whatever you're dealing with, who's riding with you? Yes. When you know that the Lord is riding with you in the storm, that the Lord is with you in the struggle, that the Lord is with you in whatever situation you're in, whatever circumstance, whatever problem or predicament that you face, his presence alone should bring you peace. Why? 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 Because peace is what the Lord is. Don't you remember his name? It's Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. The Bible declares that he is not the author of confusion, but of peace. In other words, his name and his nature are peace. Listen to how Paul signs off his letter to the church at Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians 3 and 16. He says, now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. Paul says, that Jesus himself is the Lord of peace. And in his benedictory prayer, he asked that the Lord would simply give us who he is. Peace is who he is. And as believers, we must know that the Lord of peace has declared concerning his presence in our problems. Remember, he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord of peace has promised I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. The Lord of peace has declared in Isaiah 41 and 1, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be thou not dismayed, for I am the Lord thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yes, I will help you and hold thee up with thy right hand of my righteousness. Quit worrying and stop being anxious and losing sleep. For the Bible declares God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Very present means he's really there. Very present means he's not a little bit there, but he's all the way there. Very present means all of him is there inside our problems. He's very present. He's there with you. And if the God of all creation is with you inside of what he created, that means that it's not outside of his ability to handle it. Stay with me. If the God of all creation is with you, 
inside of what he created, nothing that he created is too hard for him. If the God of all creation is with you, then nothing that he created is too hard for him. Oh, shucks. It's too hard for him to handle. That brings me to point number two. No storm is stronger than our God. No storm is stronger than our God. They, they go and wake Jesus up and, and say to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? You ever said something and realized after it came out how stupid it was? Some of you too prideful to admit that you said some stupid stuff. You, you ever said something and, and thought about it after you said it and said, why did I say that? Master, carest thou not that we perish? Lord, do you even care what's happening to us? The reason for the question that the question was posed is because in the midst of their storm, Jesus was asleep. And with, with the boat rocking and the rain beating and the thunder clapping, Jesus, uh, Jesus was asleep. Yeah, and they confused Jesus' ability to stay calm with his care and concern for them. You, you missed that. You missed that. They, they confused the fact that Jesus was calm with his care and concern for him. But the reason Jesus was calm was because he controlled everything that was scaring them. I believe you're praying with me. It, 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 it reminds me of what happened when Mary and Martha called Jesus to come and see about them and their brother Lazarus. You remember he delayed in his coming? When he got there, Lazarus was already dead. And Mary and Martha in separate times say the same thing to Jesus. They both say to him, Lord, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. It is a suggestion that Jesus must not really care about them the way they thought they did because if he had really cared about them, looked like he would have showed up. Y'all ain't praying with me. Disciples make the same kind of conclusion because Jesus was not up frantically working like they were. He was not dipping water out of the boat like they were. He was not trying to anchor down the boat like they were. So they concluded that he was not concerned for their welfare. But what they forgot was that God of creation does not have to work to control creation. But rather all he has to do is speak to control creation. Yeah, you have to work to try to work it out, but all Jesus has to do, y'all ain't talking to me in here. Jesus said, you gotta work, but all I gotta do is say the word. Is there anybody in here? Yeah, there's a centurion who understood that, came to him one day and said, Lord, won't you heal my servant? He's dying and sick with the palsy. Jesus said, yeah, I'll come to your house. The soldier said, no, you ain't got to leave where you are. Just say just say the word. 
Is there anybody in here who believes that God's word is still enough? God's word will still change. God's word will still transform. God's word will still make it happen. Just say the word. Just say the word. Say the word. Say the word. Your storm is not stronger than God's word. Your problem is not more powerful than God's word. Your issue is not bigger than God's word. Your pain is not sharper than God's word. <laughs> His word is enough. I wish you would help me preach that this morning. Tell your neighbor his word is enough. Yeah, say it like you mean it this time. His word is enough. What does that mean? That means when I'm being attacked, his word says no weapon formed against me shall prosper. His word is enough. That means when I'm sick, his word says that the prayer of faith shall heal the sick and his word is enough when i'm being persecuted his word says he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty i will say of the lord he is my refuge and my fortress my god in him will i trust Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid by the terror by night nor of the arrow that fireth in the day nor the pestilence that walketh in darkness nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall by thy side. Ten thousand by thy right hand but it shall not come nigh unto you his word is enough his word his word is enough mean nothing it's too hard for our God so the text says that he arose Rebuke the wind. Said to the sea, peace. Shh. Quiet down. Be still. And the wind ceased. Just from uh, his word. Didn't have to raise his hand. Just had to open his mouth didn't, didn't have to walk anywhere just had to send his word do I have a witness here I'm going to close when I tell you this last thing you got to remember if you're going to have peace in the midst of your problems number three and I'm through you got to remember that excessive fear eliminates the power of faith I'm through. Excessive fear eliminates the power of faith. 
Watch it, watch it. Jesus calms the storm. And you got to imagine, because you got 12 men, 13, bless Jesus, in a boat. Just had been in a storm. Boat is on the water. But now water is in the boat. Some of you aren't scared by water. Some of you swim like fish. But some of us, amen, lice. Don't go near. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. The, the, the most we might do is dip our toe in the wading pool and then go tell our friend we've been swimming. Devil is a lie. You know you ain't been swimming, got on a bathing suit and... A lot of us don't do well, amen, amen. I, you might say I'm being stereotypical, but, but it doesn't matter. In fact, a lot of us have neglected the art of swimming. Do I have a witness in here? And so we're fine in a boat as long as the water stays out of the boat. But when the water, y'all gonna talk to me in here, starts getting in the boat. Mother Christian, there's a problem and I need to start praying. But now here they are having thought that they are going under. Jesus has spoken the word peace, be still. You gotta imagine that there was great celebration on that little boat. They certainly had seen themselves going under. But now God, through Jesus Christ, had saved them. Do I have a witness here? They're celebrating, but before they could really get all of their celebration out, Jesus puts a question or two before them. Look at what he says. He says, why are you so fearful? And then he followed that question up with another one. He said, and how is it that you have no faith? But before they could get the party started, Jesus said, why are you so afraid? And how could you have no faith? I love the first question as it is written. Why are you so afraid? Notice he did not ask, why are you afraid? He said, why are you so afraid? Which suggests that there are some things in life that cause us to be afraid. Oh, you, you can sit there and act like you don't have any fear if you want to, but the fact of the matter is there are some circumstances that can cause us to be afraid. There are some diagnoses you could get today that will cause you to be afraid. 
There's some news you could receive at the conclusion of this sermon that could cause you to be afraid. But Jesus' question is not, why are you afraid? His question is, why are you so afraid? In other words, why is your fear so excessive? Why is your fear so great? Why is your fear so big? Why is your fear out of proportion to what you're dealing with? Wish I had a witness in here. Why, why is that important? Because when you have too much fear, you negate the power of faith. Here it is, here it is, I'm through. Why are you so afraid and how is it that you have no faith? Jesus says, how is it that you 12 men could have walked with me as long as you've been walking with me and still have no faith? How, 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 how is it that, that you could have seen me take water, turn it in the wine, and you still ah, have no, how, 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 how is it that, that, that you could see me pull a demon? of a man and let that man return to himself and you still y'all ain't talking to me have no how 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 is it that 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 I could have prayed and caused bread to come out of bread pull fish out of fish and feed 5,000 folk and you give it to them and you steal. How, 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 how is it, how is it, how is it that, that I could walk on the water that you're concerned about and, and you steal. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. Jesus is saying to them that there's something wrong with you, first of all, having such excessive fear, but then there's something wrong with you also not believing that I can do anything. I'm through, y'all. But here's the point. Here's the point. Excessive fear eliminates the power of faith. If you feed your fears, you starve your faith. I'm going to say it again. Somebody missed it. If you feed your fears, you starve your faith. But if you feed your faith, You starve your fears. 
I, I, I'm through. I'm closing. I'm, I'm through. I'm through. I'm through. But, but, but here's, here's, here's a biblical, here's a scriptural uh, uh, example of what I'm talking about. You remember when, 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 when the man uh, came to Jesus and said to him, uh, come uh, and, and, and heal my daughter. My daughter is dead. And, and Jesus went to the house where she was. And when he got there, y'all remember this, the, the funeral had already begun. The, the, the folk were already playing music. The, the, the wailers and weepers were already crying and carrying on. And Jesus makes the statement. He says, she's not dead. She's just asleep. Didn't he say so? He says she's just asleep. And it's in the text. Y'all read it for yourself when you get home. After he said that, the text says that the people who were there laughed him to scorn. They, they, they heard what Jesus said. And because they didn't believe it, they laughed at him. What did Jesus do? Jesus put them out. He put them out. He, he said, why? Because, watch this, if there's going to be an extraordinary demonstration of faith, faith and excessive fear can't be in the same place. He said, if I'm going to do this, I got to get rid of all the folk who's scared, all the folk who laugh, and all the folk who don't believe. You need to check your friends and see if they got any kind of faith in them. When you're going through what you're going through, you don't need some fair weather friends. You need some folk who believe, who believe, who believe, who believe, and who will believe when nobody else will believe with you that God is able. Is there anybody in this house today who knows that God can speak a word and will calm the storms in your life. God will speak the word and the problems can be solved. God can speak the word and the thunder will stop. The lightning will stop. The wind will stop. The rain will stop. The storm will stop. The issue will stop. The sickness will stop. Say the word. Peace. Be still. That's the kind of God we serve, y'all. Whatever your storm is, whatever your problem is, whatever your issue is, you serve. Watch this. Not a storm chaser, but a storm stopper. See, storm chasers just chase the storm and, and tell you what's going on. But, but in Christ, you've got a storm stopper. Storm can be coming this way and, and all he got to do is redirect. Be still. He can move it one way or stop it altogether. You know who I'm preaching to this morning? But your word this morning, go home, pray about it. Get you a praying friend who will believe with you. And after you've done that, go to sleep. You got some sleep to catch up on. You've been missing some. So go early. Go early tonight. Go to sleep. 
to sleep that that's what Jesus was doing. He was asleep. Sleep. I said, Master, care is not that we perish. Jesus said, don't confuse my calm with my care. I'm calm because I know I control what's got you worried. I need to tell somebody today, God is in control of your storm. You might have to go through it, but you've got a God who will go with you. And at the right time, he'll say, peace, be still. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father God, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you this morning for the lesson of the storm. I want to thank you this morning for the illustration of the rain. A lot of us woke up this morning to torrential downpours. And it was only an illustration of what's happening in some of our lives. The rain has been beating us down for some time. God, even with all of that, we came here this morning believing that if we got here, you would give us your word. So God, I thank you now that you've declared by your word, you've declared in your word that there's nothing too hard for you. In your word, you said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. And in your word, you've declared that our faith can be more than our fears. For greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. So master, thank you for caring for us. Master, thank you for keeping us. Master, Thank you for never leaving us in life's turmoils and tragedies. Master, we bless you now. Now, God, I ask that you speak peace to somebody's storm, peace to somebody's problems, peace to somebody's worries, peace to someone's anxieties and issues. Oh, God, calm it down right now in Jesus' name. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and all of the praise. Now listen, while your heads are still bowed, there's one thing that jumped out at me with this text. The disciples were scared enough to cry out to Jesus. But they were not faithful enough to believe that he could do anything. You know, it's like some of us sometimes, life can bring us to certain places and create certain issues and cause certain problems and, and those things are big enough and bad enough that it causes us to cry out to the Lord. But the real question is, 
not just will you cry out to him, but will you believe that he can do anything about it? I want to encourage somebody this morning. I want to encourage you this morning to cry out to him, but in your crying, believe that he's going to answer your prayer. Cry out to him enough that you're willing to come to the altar, but in coming to the altar, believe that you can leave your burdens here. Cry out to him enough to say, Lord, I need you to take the wheel, but believe that he's able to drive. Cry out to him. Cry out to him and say, Lord, I want you to be Lord of my life. Mm. If you're here this morning, I extend to you the invitation to give your life to God. Give your heart to Christ. And if you don't know him in the pardon of your sin, if you'll just pray this prayer with me this morning. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner, but I believe you're a savior. And right now I'm giving you my life. I've had some storms, but I know you can fix all things, starting with my heart. So Lord, I accept you as savior of my life. Come into my heart and make me a new creature in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, won't you do this next thing and just come by faith, believing that the Lord has saved you, believing that God is making you a new creature even now, that he's changing the condition of your life and even stopping the storms in your life. I invite you to come right now. Let's rejoice together. Let's celebrate together. Let's, let's rejoice together in this new thing that God is doing for you and in you and right now to you in Jesus' name. Come right now for the doors of the church are open. You can come now by letter, by Christian experience as a candidate for baptism. Come now. The doors of the church are open. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah.
Father, with your children, they realize and understand, O oh Lord, that in times of trouble, in times of dismay, that they can call on you, Lord. Master One is coming for prayer for herself and family. And Father, you put family together. You ordained it. So Father, we ask, oh Lord, that you would just look down her on her and her family. Bless them now, oh Lord. Whatever the situation is, we know you know. We know that you can handle it, Lord. But Father, there are just some things that we have to ask for. And she's come asking this morning, oh Lord, that we, you would touch that family and and, and heal all that is wrong master your other comes just for prayer knowing oh lord that 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 when storms come their way when storms come her way that she will be prepared through her prayer lord we ask that you would just bless her now Put your loving arms around her. Put that hedge of protection around her, O oh Lord. That in times of trouble, she will have peace. Bless now, Lord, these your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, help us sing in peace, peace, peace. There'll be peace. There'll be peace. Wonderful peace. Oh, peace, 